0: Greetings travelers and welcome to another episode of RPG Crossing Radio. We have a great show for you today, full of a special guest and many news stories. As always, I'm your host David Robison and I troll RPG Crossing as Broby. Joining me is M. Brodak. Hey everybody. Also joining me is Hugga.
1: Howdy. Good to be here on time this week.
0: Yes, I'm really glad we were able to correct the, the American to Down Under time conversion problem we were having last show. Yeah, <laughs> that, that Much was better being
1: here from the start than being here from the end. So. Yes,
0: well, we'll take you however you come. Um, very cool. So, what have you guys been up to this week in uh, your games or anything?
1: Um, well, my games. Uh, we actually had another of our monthly game. We can only organize one game a month. This, this um, this time of our lives, but it was run by fellow um, online gamer CDL or Cours de Leon. Um So we're playing through Dark Sun. So if you, if you follow my Twitter or my blog posts, I, I keep on referring back to that. But yeah, that was a good game. Um, apart from that, it's all been kids' stuff. So you know, teaching my daughter to ride, or taking her to five-year-old birthday parties where all the girls are dressed up as fairy princesses or the like, and she's dressed up as Iron Man. <laughs>
2: oh,
0: that is very cool Very cool. That, yeah.
2: That's the best I, I got to to, to uh, break in on it But I did see Iron Man 3 last night
1: Yes, yes <laughs> we, we watched that the other night, it was good We actually got out yeah. for dinner So, yeah.
0: It's very cool um, My daughter's kind of the same way We had a birthday party for her And she wanted to have a uh, World of Quest party I don't know if you're familiar with the cartoon <laughs> but. No, I I'm not she, it's, it's a a fantasy cartoon and, uh, yep. it's on Netflix and whatnot, but she watches that constantly and she, she wanted to have that and my wife eventually talked her into having a, uh, My Little Pony party because there's, uh, more stuff that you can get for a My Little Pony party.
2: Uh, well, I've been, uh, on the site, playing too, too many games. Um, I think I mentioned it last time Road Dog, uh, in, Came back as an old DM of mine, and of course I had to apply to his game. And then yep. another GM of mine started up a new an Eberon game, and I I love Eberron, so um, uh, Matt Gonsman uh, started up a new game, so I, I applied with a with a Goblin uh, Assassin type character. Um, I've been wasting too much time in the tug of war, which the upper <laughs> won this week. Um, I, I I I don't know how I got sucked. I haven't played in. in in many versions of it, but I got uh, uh, involved in that. We won last night just before Iron Man started. So, uh, and then today, because I'm all on the stupid waste of time thing of uh, of the tug-of-war game, I uh, researched it, went back, and I, I, I wrote down the history uh, for the beginning of the, the Game 7 we started. So, yeah, that was good.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Well, me, I've been, like, super busy on the site, and, and today, actually, today's a big day. It's May the 4th, uh, that's when we're recording, that's, uh well, it's May the 4th for everybody but Hugga. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was a good day, you, you'll enjoy it.
0: Very, very cool, I'm glad to hear that. It's also free comic book day, so I'm going to have to run uh, to the uh, local comic book store with the kids and uh, see how many comics we can round up on the cheap. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> we
1: even get that together
0: in here, so. Uh, you guys don't, it's aww. That's yeah, there's sad. a whole lot of.
1: Free stuff we don't get. Free Apogee Day as well. We just don't get...
0: Oh, yeah. We should have like a, uh, a uh, charity event to get you guys all this free stuff like uh, We Are The World but for Australian gamers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. But uh, I also had to uh, um, set up my uh, Undead, my zombie game that I started last week. Set it up. Got two groups going through. Uh, it should be very cool. Uh, got people that know each other and in the setting in both groups. So I'm kind of interested to see how they, I don't want to say metagame, but I think to get them together, they're going to have to metagame a little bit to, yep. to meet up because uh, they're so far away from each other from where they started. We had one people that simply just got left by the evacuation team and, uh, downtown Salt Lake city. And then I, uh, another group that actually got on the train, but the train crashed uh, a little bit less than halfway out of, a little bit more than halfway out of the valley. So that's where they're at now. So I'm kind of interested right, to know. see. Um, Are you going to allow
2: a play, player versus player or group versus group in case well, they decide to, they want to keep all the resources to their group?
0: <laughs> well, I'm not going to, um, like step in and prevent that kind of thing, but i not setting up instances where that needs to happen. So it's not technically a uh, PvP game, but If that's the way it rolls, then I'm not going to prevent them from shooting each other. I've
2: been watching watching too much Walking Dead.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was hoping that the fact that there's a, there's like a father on one team and a daughter on the other, on the other group and then uh, a brother and a brother on separate groups. I'm hoping that by putting them uh, on separate groups when they meet, they won't kill each other, but uh, we'll, we'll see how that, that, that rides out.
2: Well, if you know if, you need a, if somebody drops out I have a cool character named the governor that you know
0: we might <laughs> 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 uh, maybe maybe <laughs> maybe so uh well I'm glad everybody's up to something remotely interesting I reckon it'd be really really sad if we were all just boring but uh we're going to move on to the host question I uh, we uh kind of dropped this from the last show uh cuz of the mailbag but I think it really has a place here at the top of the show and we're going to ask you guys the question what is your favorite race and why
2: all right i'll jump in since hug it in it um (laughs) well first of all excuse my rants i know we we want to keep the show underneath uh, an hour or so but i don't really care for anything that's not you know srd that's not standard um I, this stems back to an arena game I was in where we're all you know basically first level. I had a first level artist first level. the the guy he, he used the rules, but he created a water arc and and to me, yes, it was an arena game, yes, it's it's we're supposed to win and be the toughest. but also, you know you, you want something somewhat real. and I'm mean, like you said, a water arc and a, I, th- I think it's an Unearthed Arcana or a Player's Handbook too. I I, I don't recall, yeah, but they basically yeah. got like what a plus four or plus something ridiculous to strength, and they were this massive barbarian, and uh, they took advantage of some terrain movement things, and they had ranged weapons with changed. And anyways, I, I don't want to go on that, but ever since then, I've been on this kick of, you know what, we're we're trying to keep in the the you know the the, the idea of a standard you know bipedal human type. So I, I can see going dwarf. You know, elf. So I, I like to stay those. But now, with that being said, in that range, um, this stems back to my days of, of, of playing and living Greyhawk. I like half-works. Uh, half and I like playing half-works with the bent of them being, you know, not the stereotypical dumb half-work, but, you mm-hmm. know, a, a somewhat smart half-work, good, you know, and, and, and it sort of tries to go on a, a redeeming Redeeming role. I've, I've played several half-works. My my most famous half work is is a uh, is a half work Paladin. Um, his my traditional name for him was Trogdor, which was a, a joke off of the Homestar Runner uh, cartoon series. But um, that I've had him um, in subsequent uh, reiterations. But uh, like I said, if, if you're ask me my question, my favorite race for whatever reason is half work.
0: <laughs> well, I've I've got a confession to make to you guys, and this is something that. I personally haven't been able to admit to myself, uh, admit to myself, and just until just recently. But I I don't like short races. I I, I really don't. Oh. I don't I, I don't like dwarves. I don't like gnomes. I don't like halflings, and I really don't understand why. I think I'm not a short person in real life. I'm like five foot nine, and that's that's pretty average. So I don't I don't really know what it is um, why I don't like them. But I can't play them, and that's like. Boggles my mind from a, a logical standpoint because height is one of the least important physical attributes uh, in RPG mechanics. You know, there's nothing on it. I don't know. So
1: what about what about children? Would you play a child that's of a tall race, but is actually just playing as as a small?
0: Uh, I might, depending on what I was going for and yeah. what the what the campaign was, or and whatnot, but I haven't yet. So
2: I, I have to say I may somewhat agree with that stereotype or hatred of the smaller ones, but it's not. That I don't like the, the mechanics. It's typically when you play the smaller races, you know, I mean, you're you're sort of you you got those the the, the gnomes, you're bind you crazy, you know, talking fast, you know, you have thirty names for your first name, and the halflings are all you know all over the place, and I, you may not just I would assume, I, and I don't like playing the stereotypical version of those. And it's yeah. hard not to. So
0: I don't know. I think I have a, a deeply rooted fear of not being able to reach stuff on the top shelf.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, you like cookies too much, and perhaps that's where your mama used to hide them. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I
0: I might, just to break my mold, go with a dwarf that always carries a, a stepladder. never has not yeah. problem.
2: Dwarfs could be like Divorfs? five foot.
0: What? No. The way I see dwarfs, they're short. They're too short for me. No. <laughs> what about so you, you Haga? Okay. Did
1: you nope. actually give us a favorite race, or just just ones you don't
0: like? Um. Oh no, I didn't. That, mainly because I don't really have a favorite race. I I pick character concepts. Um, I have several character concepts that I, I like, and I'd love to be able to play in a game. Like, I want nothing more than to find a DM that is willing to let me be a uh, awakened gorilla. But I have not found anybody willing to tackle that that concept. It's a, it's a little yeah, crazy. Obviously, M won't do that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I found the question a little bit hard because race isn't often the major part of the character. I mean, in 3rd edition, and it looks like in 5th edition as well, you have your race abilities, and that's very, very immediate. And then everything else is class. So it, as you get a, a larger character, a higher level character, the race seems to play a, a smaller part. 4 tried not to do that, but they, they ended up doing the same thing as well. You can take a Paragon path or something that improves your race, but ultimately the race gives you a small benefit and then the rest of it's your class however I have noticed that I play two races more often than anything else Um, I don't know if that's some sort of subconscious thing but goliaths are a big favourite I I have a number of monks that are goliaths including um, one that was a drunken monkey style thing in (laughs) Master of Monsters game one of my first games on the site I've got this great guy who loves knocking people around like a Oh, croquet! I like playing croquet, he's he's got a big mall and he just whacks people all around like fifteen, sixteen squares at a time. And then <laughs> in my current dark sun game that CDL's running, I'm playing another Goliath who's a chain fighter. So I, I really like that sort of big, muscly, but but meant to be gentle at heart kind of twisted on that thing, which makes it interesting. That my second favorite, second most popular race is halfling. Um, halfling. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just started up a new game with Sandwich Weasel where I'm playing Ostran who's a um. oh, a psionic halfling, I've, I've talked about one of my undead halflings, Jacobius, that I was playing for a while, and I've played a character called Markman, who's a warlock who teleports around the place, and I've played him at least six different occasions, through different, three different editions, and through a very large level, different levels, so, he's a, he's a favourite concept of mine that I keep on coming back to all the time, so, yeah, mm-hmm. glides
0: and halflings for some reason. <laughs> I don't think that you could get any more uh, on opposite extremes yeah, yeah. in regards to height. <laughs>
2: <laughs> even though.
0: Even though. You
1: know. <laughs> it's average in the end.
0: Excellent. Well, this was fun. I think we should do it again, now. But let's go ahead and move yeah. on to uh, site news.
1: Site news. So, the, the book club. Um, we're currently voting on a, a new feature for May. Um, the nominations that we're voting between are The Curse of Chalion by Louis, Louis McMaster. But Jules, I'm terrible with names here, sorry guys, but... I, I and, think uh, that's
2: a standard on this podcast, so... Oh, uh, yeah, it has to be,
1: doesn't it? <laughs> we go from something that's very, very textual-based, that doesn't have any pronunciation issues at all, and suddenly we start pronouncing everything, and we're, we're bound to get things wrong. Um, look at my name. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the other book we're voting between is um, Terry Goodkind's um, Wizards' First Rule. So have, have either of you read these or looked at them at all? Uh, well, I, as I
2: nominated uh, one of the books, yes, I, uh, yep. I read them. I, I Which one? Sort of truth series. The Wizard's First World. Okay, cool. I, uh, I, I have... I'll sorry, wait,
0: wait. sorry, cutting you off. Anyways, I thought the whole point of a book club in Brodack was to nominate a book you haven't read and then read it.
2: No, I <laughs> want to discuss with people. <laughs> and I'm going to reread it. So. <laughs> well, that, that's good.
1: Rereading is always good. I haven't read it, I haven't... I had to look it up because so I thought Wizards First Rule was familiar. I watched the TV series of um, Sort of Truth.
2: Yeah, so it, 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 that's off the TV yeah. series. But no, I, I uh, Mike, uh, always Silver Mike, uh, ran a campaign with me uh, based on the book series. And nice. we've, we've been going back and forth, I think, at least I'm trying to get him to rerun the game, another yep. game. And uh, so I've been rereading, I was rereading the book anyways. I just started to reread it to re-familiarize myself because we're trying to think of some of the ways of of the things we had problems with the book as to how we would relate it to a campaign. So that's why yeah. I nominated it. It was a selfish nomination, but mm-hmm. <laughs> fair enough. Very cool. So
0: <laughs> the uh, the wizard's first rule is based on the uh, the uh, TV show. Opposite. It's
1: opposite, other yeah. way around.
0: Yeah. Okay, opposite around. Yeah, that's what I yep. meant. TV show came after the book.
1: Yep. Yeah. Very how, cool. How long, how long do people have to vote, Robbie?
0: Um. As of the recording of this podcast, this thread isn't even posted right now because Ah. I've been super busy, but I'm posting it today and they'll have a week. So, um, they'll have about a week to, uh, vote. So,
2: and and it takes about a half a week to get this out. So they'll probably have about four days.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Four days. That's a good point. Maybe we'll go ahead and bump it to like a week and a half or something. We'll go ahead and do that. And they'll have some time. (laughs) Um, take the next bit of news in Brodac uh,
2: well RPG Crossing Radio our podcast has an unofficial official official unofficial forum uh, where all you listeners all seven of you can go and talk about the show and hang out and give us suggestions of what to talk about make fun of Roby for talking about halflings and his phobias uh, <laughs> I believe at least I hope we can put it into the show notes, the link uh, that Birch will post once yep. this is up. Um, otherwise, you'll hear me giving a strange uh, forum title um, and number, which I don't know if the forum – is it created yet? I couldn't remember where it was. I know the three of us have one, but
0: – That's the official, unofficial, official oh, okay. unofficial yeah. forum. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Yep. I hope that we be, were able to move it to more uh, a more official location yep. sometime in the future, but we kind of just happened to ha- happen to need it to yeah. work out of, and then people happen to find it and start talking about things. So we might as well just let everybody know about it. Well, hopefully, my, we, my when you submit
2: this, submit this uh, p- the, the the files to the Birch, you can ask them if there's official forum that we can move the two, and then we can put it onto the uh, the announcement. Uh, we do at least on the website, and for those of you who somehow travel to this podcast that haven't been on the website you can sign up and find Good. the link and uh, there you go
1: and ask us questions such as a favorite race for future podcasts
0: exactly we'll uh, we'll read anything you send us <laughs> um <laughs> moving on to uh general gaming news um and our segment rpg pulse
2: uh well as we've mentioned the last three podcasts uh about uh uh, the Marvel role-playing game, uh, Margaret Weiss Productions, have announced uh, April 24th, so a little over a week ago, that they are no longer producing content for it. I believe it's officially as of uh, April 30th. Uh, I believe yeah. on our uh, drive-through RPG, they were they had had a sale on on the PDFs for the last week, and obviously that is past due. Uh, I just find it interesting. We just started uh, talking about it, started playing it, and unfortunately, it is now gone.
1: So does this mean that they can't sell what they've already made, or is it just they, they can sell that but nothing they else? They cannot.
2: They can't sell. They no longer have wow. the license. If they sell the li- if they sell it, they're in violation of the license.
1: Wow. Um, so old stock that's left around shops.
2: Um, old stock in shops, yes. Okay. Uh, but I don't. I don't know how well. From what I've been reading, they're more of a, they've been bent more of a electronic distribution than they've been yeah. a traditional hard copy distribution. So obviously, yeah. hard copy distribution, you had the license to initially per- to produce that book. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I, I'm curious as to what that means. Did, did, did they not have sales that Marvel was hoping to have, or is Marvel going to roll yeah. their own out?
1: They, they said something about the um, the Civil War series wasn't getting quite as much response as they, they hoped for, so they, they didn't continue on with it.
2: Yeah, so I'm, I'm just curious to see if maybe yeah. there's another superhero game uh, uh, rule set coming out. But who knows, just yeah. speculation for the future.
0: I didn't realize that this announcement from Margaret Weiss went to that extent that they weren't going to be allowed to sell uh, their... Uh, digital products that they've already had made up i i from what i was understanding and i didn't read into it a whole bunch other than the uh the uh, post they made about it on their website was that they weren't making any new stuff but they were still you know what you had was what you had
2: nope mm-hmm. i i i'm not sure how that works but I, then why did rp uh drive through rpg pull the product off the site they yeah this. okay yeah. It, these are on sale it, uh, until the thirtieth, you can't have it afterwards. So. Okay, I
0: didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, I guess I need I, to I cruise think, by there and uh, look. Think. Look at things. Yeah, <laughs> I think
1: that was the same way when um, Wizards lost the Star Wars license. That was
0: pretty much from this point on. You can't sell anything. But yeah, hmm, interesting. So, wizard. When did Wizards lose the the uh, Star Wars license?
1: A few years ago now, I think. Okay, so it was. uh I think FASA Fath- have it or something like that, or Fantasy Flight, some
0: other company.
1: making up their own Star Wars games now.
0: I was post-Disney uh, buyout. I mean, well, yeah. before Disney bought them out. Before that,
1: before that, yeah. Quite a while. Okay, so, DDI rumors. We um, had some interesting things come up this week. Um, a guy from Wizards of the Coast, Trevor, was mentioning on Twitter that... Uh, all this information about DDI that hadn't been made public. Um, it just seemed to be a lot of I don't know statements saying he doesn't know about the um, current lof- level of price or the tools being online for much longer or what options are going to be. Nothing really concrete about it, unfortunately. Do you guys follow that at all? I know that neither of you...
2: I, I saw yeah. you uh, talking about it.
1: Yeah, Then. Yep.
2: We were talking about the three of us, and then the 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 links you you provided disappeared.
1: Yeah, that was interesting.
2: So I don't know if he got in trouble for even talking no. about it. And, and I'm pretty
1: sure that the um,
2: realized. No, just... oh, yeah. I th- I, th- I heard that the, the, the his Twitter post or whatever they disappeared. They were deleted.
1: Yeah, he's he's coming out and answered to other things, but they've all been big sentences of I don't know or I don't currently know or. Lots of not clear, not um, concise statements, unfortunately. We're still really, really eager about information as to how they're going to support it, what's going to happen once 5e comes out, all that sort of information. You know,
2: I know mm. that it's a subscription module model, Yeah, I hope they would at least say, okay, you know, those that had it maybe get grandfathered into it and, you know, at least for a, a while and then eventually, you know, within five years we'll cut support. But I would hate for them to, to cut it Cold turkey. Uh um, oh, yeah. Just because we have 5e out and force people to, you know, who, who rely on the tool.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the concern. And the other thing is that it's it's still pretty expensive. Like, it's what, $75 a year. Um, and you're not getting all the updates that you were promised beforehand. You're not getting right. um, so all these tools a subscription, they...
2: Yeah, you would expect updates. But at least then have a, a flat dollar amount, you know give you a license to 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 view that, you know, give you a login for it. It'd be at least a nice, at least a decent set off to not annoy the 4E fans. Like, Hey, yeah. we know you yeah. like it. Uh, you know, those of who've been subscribing all along, we're giving you a free, those who want it, you know, 50 bucks until at least for the next five years or whatever, and, you know, yeah. and hopefully you come join us on 5E, but we don't want to at least cut off the tool that you've known and loved since, you know, we started 4E, but we'll, uh, we'll see yeah. how it goes. I don't think Five E's due to be launched till till to, uh, like this it's time while, 2014, way. right? Okay. Yeah. I don't know officially, but I was I was think, I was thinking at some point it was 2014 was sometime they'd launch it. So hopefully they yeah. do something. To, to I think that. they're
1: basically saying not for two years, but however that works yeah. out, who knows?
0: Honestly, surprised that this lasted this long. If we had been doing this podcast, uh when that first came out I was like "Eh, there's no market for that and whatnot." so I'm not surprised if they do close it down especially in um, preparation for 5e because I don't want to talk bad about wizards but that's kind of like their MO yeah
1: Yeah, that's the scary part what's going (laughs) to happen to all our games that we've been running based off all the compendium stuff and the character builder when they just take it all away
0: you're gonna to have to buy the, uh, the hard copy books at that point. The, oh, uh, well, I have the hard copy books.
1: <laughs> it's, it's the ease of access of online stuff. You're gonna do it wherever you are and the, the joy of searching in these things as opposed to flicking through books and trying to work out what updates happen to the Yeah, books this, is the, this is digital yeah. age.
2: You just, yeah, yeah. Boom, you got an in, one index, you type it, you get it no matter where the source is. It's just, yeah, exactly. I, I, I would hope they, they, they at least respect the, their customers, their former paying customers, because when you don't respect your customers, especially now, you know, this is another time potentially for them to do, do that. You know, yeah. will they move on to 5E, you know, yeah. or will they move over to Pathfinder like, you know, some people.
1: <laughs> a Pathfinder of a 4E, that's what we want. Yeah.
0: Pathfinder, that'd be a uh, 4E.5. Uh, you know, not something.
2: to, you know, you know, plug my… Boys at Piazza, but you know they do have the the SRD, the PR PRD, and they also have yeah, yeah. It is, uh, a, a a full one with you know not just stuff that was in the ba- the basic book, but you know they've made the Advanced Player's Guide, and those races yeah. and, and yeah. classes are are right in right readily available, so. I digress. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so for this this week's big topic, we're talking with our special guest, Walt, about his attorney's End project. Um, it's a Pathfinder campaign setting on RPG crossings. Hello, Walt. Um, could you just give us an introduction to yourself for those who might not know you?
3: Uh, yeah, um, I'm Walt, and uh, hello, everybody. And uh, basically, I, uh, I came to uh, RPGX about maybe a little over a year ago, and uh, I kind of I had some ideas when I came down. and. You know, I worked uh, with the staff a little bit, and uh, with some other people um, on the site, and we kind of put it, this big project together, um, and uh, called Eternity's End. And it was kind of a—it's kind of a new concept, or, well, not terribly new, but somewhat new, uh, to the whole PvP kind of idea. So, uh, was there anything in particular you wanted to know?
0: Um, yeah, could you uh, briefly explain what exactly uh, Eternity's End is, as far as the the campaign setting? Is Absolutely.
3: Concerned? Sure. Um first of all right, I just wanted to thank like all the staff uh for not just the site but also Eternity's end and all the players and GMs. I just cuz I don't want it to come off like I'm not I put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into this, but it's really a community thing. Um, and I you know, I, I don't have full claim over anything there cuz they really bring the whole thing together. Um, but yeah, to get it kind of uh to explain a little bit about what it is so far as the setting like you were saying um uh, it's kind of like if you took an MMO and a PVP RPG and smushed them together um, and took the best parts of each and the worst parts of each to cancel out what the other problems. So a lot of the holes that you'll find in, like, PVP games, like getting participation to really be a problem, um, you know, because that's the big problem is people dropping out, we kind of made a way to fix that. Um, we've found other ways to make it so that the problems with MMOs, such as... Uh, you know uh the very linear aspect of them about how nothing changes we fixed that and stuck that in because that's an Atma strength from the pvp side um but the uh the setting itself is uh it's an in outside of time and space that uh you know there's a and players go there and uh, there's a whole meta uh, lore behind it and i you know i won't get too much into that unless you guys want to know more about that but the idea is that the players go there um, through one way or another, whether their character died or went through a portal or whatever, however the player wants to determine. And they can play pretty much any kind of character they can make um, with just a few minimal restrictions, uh, like we can't allow item creation and things like that. Not in the standard, typical sense. We do have another system for that. but um, And uh, they go then, they form parties, go through doors, and the doors that they go through is a GM that runs a mini game. It's an episodic thing. And uh, they can literally go to any kind of setting whatsoever from there. And then they continue the adventure, finish the adventure out, come back to the inn. And then they swap parties up, swap GMs up. And uh, you know, and, and it's a constantly rotating, evolving game because of that. Yeah, you mentioned about um,
1: combating player dropouts. So I was just wondering um, yeah, what, what do you have in, in there to change to help um, combat the, the fact that players and DMs do leave games?
3: Oh, um, we have we have a couple of different systems uh, to deal with that, and it's whether it's a player or a GM that drops out. Um, first off, uh, we have what's called the planar glitch, um, because this is a, a a multiple worlds theory kind of universe that we've created, where people and there's literally multiple copies of every universe. We've come up with a thing called a planar glitch, where if a player drops out, the GM can then clone the character sheet, and uh, it'll create a glitched version. So things will kind of be a little bit different in the memory of the glitched version of the, of the new player. And that allows that to, the GM to continue with them as an NPC. And since it's episodic, it's not like they've lost a player in a standard campaign. It's only for a short period of time. And then, uh, you know, the, uh, they, they can just finish out the adventure with the player. The other option is that, um, they can, of course, uh, modify the adventure, um, and just power it down a little bit. Um, from there. and But the Planner Glitch allows them to not have to rewrite all the encounters, so that's one thing. Um, and like I said, it's episodic, so it keeps it nice and short, and they don't have to be NPCing uh, a, a PC for, you know, the whole span of a campaign anymore, you know? Yep. Um, the other option is with Game Masters... Um, if a game master drops out, we have what's called a GM rescue. One of the things that we've done, like I said, with participation was a big thing, was to try and give people as much incentive to play, and we also do that on the game master side. Um, game masters get special rewards for running adventures for, and also for doing what's called GM rescue. Um, if a G- game master drops out, um, you know whether it's unexpectedly or knows that they're going to be gone for three weeks because they're going on, you know, a cruise or whatever, um, they just let us know. And one of the other GMs, because they're all trained in the same fashion, jumps in. We all keep specific notes about the adventure, and a lot of the adventures are, um, you know, they're, since they're episodic, it's not like you're picking up too much. You can go back and read the last two months of posting. By the third month, it's the game's over, and we start the new level game. So you're looking at reading catching up on two months of posting for an adventure that you've probably run yourself or similar with the format to, and then you can kind of just pick that up and finish it out for them and then you get special incentives to do that, um, that, that affect in game. So, uh, I have
2: to say, not to interrupt you, Walt, uh, this is mm-hmm. a that, uh I, I am playing in Eternity's End, yep. and I had uh, I'm in my second module, and DM stopped posting, and cigar, yeah. Uh picked up, finished the mod. Uh, so there was a little interruption, but it, it was it was it was fixed pretty quickly.
3: Yeah, uh Alscar is really good for that. Um, he's one of our star GMs when it comes to GM rescue. He's on top of that. I don't even know how he does it. Um, he he's really keeps Keeps things moving there, and I, I'm really grateful for him and everybody else that jumps in and does things like that because it's not just running the games. I mean, there's so much stuff that goes on there behind the scenes that people jump in on whenever we need to create special new rules for things. Um, you know, anytime there's a new 3PP release, we got to go and look it over, find out how to how to incorporate it into the game, you know, stuff like that. And people are just, they, they volunteer, they love it, and uh, it, it's that energy where people just work together like that that allows it to continue to to be what it is, I guess, you know. So I'm really excited about that whole aspect of it. But, yeah, no, definitely Elfskar, I, I I agree, is great with that, you know. So thanks, though. I appreciate the comment. Yeah.
0: Thanks. Um, that was awesome. I am interested in touching a little bit more on this uh, multiple worlds um, scenario you've got working with. Yeah. Uh, for example, can you have, like, um, the high fantasy world and, then, and characters from that, like PCs from that, mm-hmm. and then eventually have them placed in more of a, a modern type world setting?
3: Oh, yeah. Um, that's uh, we, that, You're touching a little bit more on the faction stuff, so I'm not going to go into that too much this time. I was going to see if we could talk about that in another segment, but the idea is that the GM creates the world that you're going into, um, and they have pretty much free reign. The only thing that they really have is a time constraint and CR constraints for when they're constructing the encounters. Um, but if they want to put you into uh the world from the terminator movies or uh or put you in a stone age dinosaur environment or put you in high fantasy magic that's up to them um i wrote an adventure recently that's got uh you know i want to say uh you know post uh it's slightly futuristic technology involved um the only thing you have to keep in mind when you're doing that as a gm though is to kind of uh Realize that the players that you're dealing with, for the most part, there's one faction that's an exception called the Technorati, but the rest of the other players are going to be from either low, mid, or high fantasy settings. So they're going to have to adjust to that setting when you bring them into it. Um, They're not going to have things like uh, weapon proficiencies for, you know, uh, for for rocket launchers and things like that. Well, Um,
2: that's one thing. uh, I mean, it is based on the Pathfinder rule set. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So no, uh, changing up to a, you know, a D twenty modern with with a bazooka, or
3: <laughs> well, we actually we've come up with a system for that too. Even uh, we've created a, a, a thing where uh, we can use high level technology, and that's got certain advantages that we've priced out, and basically just converted magic items into high technology. And what that does is it just affects things like spell resistance and stuff. It no longer, of course, spell resistance no longer. Affects that item, but it works the same whether it's a wand of magic missile or a little twenty two caliber pistol. It does the same kind of, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, you know, um, but not that's not a perfect example. But like, say, a laser rifle or something like that might be more equivalent.
0: Very cool. So it's kind of a uh, reskinning some mechanics to incorporate mm-hmm.
3: a uh, a different theme. We're big on that reskinning stuff. Uh, you know, we encourage people to do that as much as they. Are comfortable with. Um, you know, as long as the mechanics are solid, if people want to reinterpret the rules in a creative fashion and the mechanics are, you know, still what they're supposed to be, we've thoroughly encouraged that.
2: Well, that and it's up to the players to pick the games they want. So if they decide they want to go that route and reskin or whatever, it's up to them to go, go forth and do that. They're not forced to.
3: Yeah, yeah. That's the big thing, too. The players opt into whatever. And a lot of times they don't know what the adventure is, too. You get a little bit of insight from the uh, the advert but that's about it you yeah. know and we don't want to tell you too much up front because then we're gonna give all the give the whole story away you know very
0: very cool so inmbrodock uh, do you have the next question
3: well what's
2: the the, the biggest challenge in getting eE up and running
3: uh, that was that was tough um, the, it was real tough getting it going mostly because uh, a project that's really big and ambitious we have like right now 77 characters in the game. I want to say probably, I'm not sure exactly how many active GMs, but between 12 and 20, I think. And we're only about a year old right now, and it's still growing and we still have more uh, you know, uh, apprentices in the works right now. Every day I got new apprentices joining um that are kind of going through and learning how to GM. Um and uh but we have all of that set up. It was really ambitious when we first started talking about it, and people just looked at me, you know, they're like what are you talking about? You can't get 60 GMs to run a game. You know, like that's we didn't even have 60 GMs on the site at that time. You know, they were like, that's you know, and uh, and now it's it's starting to as Steam picks up and momentum picks up, it's making it so that this is becoming less and less of an alien kind of idea and something that's a little bit more accepted. So, getting through that first year was really tough to get people to kind of believe in the idea that this was possible, um, but now that it is, people are kind of jumping on board a lot faster, and that's really very rewarding for myself and the whole team because it makes it a lot easier on us.
1: Great. So, so can you tell us uh, either in general or just just something specific that
3: you've, you've learned
1: in your time running uh, Eternity's End?
3: Um, let's see. The biggest challenges uh, that kind of go with running the place um, that I've come across is first we wanted to make it so that this way anybody could play there and kind of enjoy it. Um, this was a big thing with the factions too is to create different types of ways to play the game, as well as a lot of the different specialty features that we have, um, like you know the storyteller and some other stuff like that, uh, the, the the tap room, uh, PvP arenas, all that stuff is different things that we wanted to cater to as many different kinds of players as possible and not really restrict players into what kind of character they can play or what kind of thing they can do. Uh, different ways to participate, and we wanted to put that into a segment that really catered to absolutely everyone. And the trouble with that is, is that it's it's sometimes hard when you're creating something like this and you're so invested into it to want to say yes to everything. You know what I mean? Because um, it's your baby, and you put all this time into it, and then somebody comes along and they've got this like uh, thing that doesn't seem to jive with you right off. But the way to look at it is to find different ways to make it work. And, uh, like, one of the big problems was item creation. When you're running a, a mass game, you'll notice in Pathfinder Society they don't allow item creations because it imbalances the game inherently by offering too much WBL towards a character that, you know, otherwise they can get rich really fast, especially in a game like Eternity's End where time doesn't exist properly, um, which is the one mitigation behind item creation. It's, there's time invested. Uh, so when you have things like that, it took us a long time, but we finally created a system where we were able to say yes Now everybody can craft items, and that works, and it's balanced, and it doesn't mess the game up. And, you know, things like that are big challenges that we get every once in a while where somebody puts an idea in front of us. Another thing was how do we make... Um, since the one mitigating feature that we have on players to keep them balanced, roughly balanced, is the WBL factor, was to say, how do we deal with valve of poverty from a monk, you know? Um, and that took us a long time to figure that out. You know, we were, we were going through that for about a month and a half, you know, before we figured out between a dozen GMs how to, how to make it work. Um, but, uh, another key point in the, from learning all of this, though, is that the design process was trying to set the mechanics where participation is a big part of the game so we reward people in game but it's also part of the setting um... where the whole concept behind the game is existence versus non-existence and the whole idea is that the more people keep playing the more they play into it the more that advances the setting and the more that advances the game as a whole um, and kind of reveals more secrets about you know the what's going on at eternity's end and how that works so by tying those three things in together the mechanics the lore and the participation um, into one thing. It really created a type of setting where people want to really be part of it.
0: Um, very cool. Very cool. Um, I was kind of interested in knowing where you see eternities end. perhaps a year from now, a year into the future. What's, uh, what's on your, uh,
3: outlook. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we've always got big things on the horizon right now. The big thing that we're working on right now is, um, the Outlands 2 version, um, which is going to be a big, massive expansion. It's kind of like uh, our conversion for Far Realm um, or any Lovecraftian horror stuff. Um, that's going to be in the next couple months. But in a year, I'm thinking a lot of people uh, over at uh, D20PFSRD, we partnered with them a while back. Um, and also they've been helping funnel people into RPGX, which is really great through Eternity's End. Um, we, uh, we, we've we been talking with them a little bit about trying to actually make a legitimate PDF um, of Eternity's End with full-color art. You know, I'm um, using what we have currently as more, uh, uh, you know, uh, concept art, and then redoing the whole thing, getting a layout artist, taking the rules and putting it in, and then updating the PDF each time we have major rules changes. You know, maybe like once or twice a year, and uh, putting that out there to, as a way to kind of like maybe eventually get a budget for this sort of thing, and then we can do even more with it. You know, because all of everything we've done right now is 100% volunteer. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we've, we've done quite a lot, but ultimately if we want to do anything more with it, we will eventually need to put a budget together. So I thought about maybe in about a year we might look into doing some sort of, um, uh, what are those called the kickstarters? Um, and I know that those are pretty popular. Um, and I thought maybe that might help get us a couple bucks together to get our artist and a layout artist. And and then, cause we've already got the content there and we've already got the, uh, uh, the publishing through uh, through D20PFSRD, they said that they'd publish the book. I'm sure if it went through them, it wouldn't be too hard to get it over on Paizo because um, I know they, they publish or they, they distribute uh, 3PP books. Um, so that's something we'd like to do, um, but whether or not that's going to be in a year, I, I couldn't say for sure, um, but that's what I'd like to see. Cool. I'm
2: looking forward to seeing the, the uh, Eternity and Guide book.
0: Yes, that would be very cool. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think we're getting close to wrapping up the segment, but uh, so let's uh, turn a little bit from Eternity Zen. And just in general, how has your time on, on the site, RPG Crossing, made you a better gamer?
3: Um, I want to say that uh, the best thing that I've gotten from RPGX is the atmosphere, the community. Um, when I came here, it was, uh, I was displeased actually with the competitor site. Um, there was a lot of difficulties, a lot of politics, um and there was just a lot of creative differences i was actually told at one point i had to accept a player into a game that i didn't want you know and i was like, <laughs> never you, to I was that. like it's yeah i was like <laughs> game. yeah and it that's ridiculous it was ridiculous i was like excuse me and this was the problem it wasn't even that i didn't like the person it was that they broke the rules in the character creation and i was like he clearly didn't follow the you know i was like and i can't have a player in a game that doesn't even follow the listed rules that i've put out you know um and uh so really when i came to rpgx it was just a total turnaround of that from constantly like butting heads you know Uh, to having people that support and are interested in, uh, you know, the types of things I'm trying to put forward. And the community, of course, is constantly growing. There's constantly fresh new ideas. I've seen some of the most creative games. I haven't had a chance, of course, to play in anywhere near as many as I would like. But, I mean, I see things here where people put stuff together that I never would have thought of. So somebody was talking about it on the board the other day about putting together something that was kind of like uh, toys that come to life and walk around. And I was like, that is insane. You know, it's kind of like a Toy Story kind of game. And I was like, that's nuts. I would love to do something like that, you know. And uh, just seeing that kind of creativity creates a better atmosphere for me to work in as a game master and a player. Um, So that's been the big thing about coming to RPG Crossing that's been really beneficial to me.
0: Very, very cool. Well, uh, thank you for uh, being a guest for us on this episode. We really appreciate you stopping by. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, maybe we can work something out in the future to get you uh, on again. Uh, But thanks for coming.
2: I – I've seen some attempts at some large games and people trying to emulate Living Living Greyhawk, Living Pathfinder – things and this is one of the first ones i've seen uh last more than <laughs> more than a year so
3: yeah well i'm really glad that we can do it and like i said it's not just me it's really everybody putting that together you know yeah um it's it's really it takes it takes a village to run a mass game it does <laughs> um it's just like making a movie you know there's so many people that go into it and uh you know i want to thank all of them like i said before it's and it's really great, and I hope we have the opportunity to come back and talk about some other things that we've got going on. So we've got a lot of stuff there that you know, could definitely use some attention, I think, and would, would help.
0: Thanks for joining us for RPG Crossing Radio, and remember, watch the rogues with the shifty eyes. If it would please you, you can send your love, hate, or lukewarm indifference to us on our new forums, or directly to me at robi1475 on Twitter, or to Hugga on Twitter at... H-V-G-3-A-K-A-E-K. Until next time.